Good evening and welcome to Adventures in Lollygagging. Uh, I am Aaron and once again I am in the Game Master's seat and this is for our Session 1 of Cubicle 7's Wrath and Glory, one of their two Warhammer 40k games. Uh, I'm excited to be playing this with this group of people. I've been looking forward to playing Wrath and Glory since it came out. Uh, this is our first attempt at it, so for everybody watching uh, live or watching later on YouTube, well, this is sort of our test drive. Put together our little scenarios so we can get comfortable with the rules, get comfortable with Foundry, which is the VTT we're using. So we may be taking it slow tonight. We may be pausing to look up a few rules, but we want to make sure we get it as right as we can uh, obviously, I reserve the right. If I find a rule that I just don't like, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go with the rule of fun, which I always do. And you can always call me out on that in the comments, uh, and I will just smile through it. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna get an introduction to all of our players and their characters uh, in a few minutes, uh, but I want to give everybody a reminder of of what it is that we are facing uh, in Wrath and Glory. So the sinister schemes of the chaos gods have shattered the galaxy. The great rift tore through space and reality, pushing mortal life to the precipice of oblivion. The Gilead system has lost contact with the vast Imperium, trapped in a never-ending silent darkness. As the shadows of extinction loom and hope fades, yet it is not completely extinguished. Rallied by the rogue trader Jackal Veronius and his flotilla, a disparate group of dedicated warriors are doing what must be done to keep the Gilead system from being consumed by the darkness. Can they resist the machinations of chaos as well as the plots of those who see the rift as an opportunity to further their own power? Well, we shall see. But we all know that the Emperor protects. So we're going to start with a little history. The Veronius Flotilla has transitioned out of the warp three months ago. And Jackal Veronius and the senior members of the Veronius family have been consolidating their power under their imperial writ with the planetary governors within the Gilead system with the Absolvers chapter, with the um, tech priests, uh, and other factions. And now uh, it's been accepted that the Veronius flotilla is going to ask act as sort of a glue that is going to help keep the Veronius, uh, the Gilead system together. Their flotilla of ships has allowed each of the planets to become more connected than they were in the past. That was three months ago. Now, we open our scene with a vignette. We're on an orbital above a Varkas. We slide through uh, this vast space station and we see ourselves entering an austere hab cube. And there's someone sitting at a table. Jeff. Describe to us your character. Yeah, Birik Polov, brother Birik. He is of modest height. He is striking to look at immediately. 
as he has no hair. He has no eyes, just sunken, melted pits where eyeballs should be. And periodically, you will see coursing through his veins the image of um, energy. For beneath it, subdermally, he has replaced all manner of his flesh, all manner of his circulatory system with um, uh, well, something even better than augmentations. It is something further. For coursing through his veins is the very energy gifted to him by Onisaya. It is the motive force that is, uh, he has been charged with protecting Zeus. He is bare-chested, and much like his face, the various circuitry moves about his pectorals, his abs, his ribs. He is a uh, well-built man, and I mean that both literally and figuratively. And he wears nothing but his fulgrite robes. Beautiful. Mars red bottom. He has his small tablet that hangs down from his waist. You can see various insignia. And he has resting against his shoulder, extending outward. An extension of his arm, an extension of his person. His electrolyte staff. And he waits patiently. And as he waits, you feel a tickle in your mind and you know that someone is attempting to communicate with you in binary is it just in my is it just in my in my in my in my in my head so to speak or is it, is it yeah it's, it's no it's it's within your cortical uh within your cortical node you know mm-hmm. that the bi- binary chatter is is a is a more efficient way of speaking among tech mm-hmm. tech priests so they are someone with a high priority who is able to force communication onto you within the station is attempting to link with your uh cortical node you'll sit up straight and he will allow the link and anyone who would be listening would hear this horrible screeching chatter. But to Brother Talav, he hears this. Brother Talav, I am Magos Errant XI-99, the captain of the Blefero of the Voronius Flotilla. My identification idents are passed to you now. This is a priority communication as approved by the priests of Avacris. Do you acknowledge communication? Communication acknowledged. Identification confirmed. Proceed. Brother Talav, you will be working now with the Voronius Flotilla Task Force as a representative of Avacris and the Machine God of Mars to assist the Flotilla in ensuring that the Omnissiah's works will not be interrupted. You will be under the command of Helene Voronius. 
ident and pictograph sent now. Received. Acknowledged. And then the binary chatter changes, and you find that you're being pulled into a much more secure one-on-one -on -one communication. Brother Talif, are you receiving this communique? I am receiving. Secondus priority mission. As part of your responsibilities of the Veronius flotilla, you will be traveling throughout the Gilead system. Scour system for Archaeotech. Scour system for Xenos technology. Confiscate all such occurrences and return them to me aboard the Bluffero for further analysis and study. Confirm receipt of secondary instructions. Confirmed as the Omnissiah wheels. This information is not to be shared amongst any who are not of the tech priests. All communication on Archaeotech and Xenostech will go through my office first. No one on Avacris will be notified of your primary or secondary mission. Understood. Is the Omasiah wills it. Present queries if they exist. They do not. You will then report with all due haste to the flagship of the Veronius Flotilla, the Ducal Circlet. You will identify yourself to their security officer. You will be escorted to Helene Veronius for mission identification. Are we clear, Brother Talev? We are clear. Ensure that your cortical node has recorded this channel and he locks this one-on-one -on -one channel into your into your cortical node. When in range, if you need to communicate directly with me, simply activate the channel. Channel encoded. We are clear. And then the chatter dissipates. And we find ourselves pulling out of that scene, pulling off of the orbital, uh, leaving behind Avacris. And we find ourselves moving through the system. We see ourselves approaching Gilead Primus, but we're not going to Gilead Primus. We find ourselves circling the orbit until we see Saints Hold, the barracks moon of the Gravedigger's guard unit. We see sitting outside of the Commandant's office Someone that Justin is going to describe for us. So, <clears throat> Gavius Vincel is probably mid-30s, so very young in the ways of 40K. Um, tall, dark, longer hair. He wears a black uh, vest, black armor, but it is painted in the bone dust tan 
and uh, accented with the emerald green and, and red of of the uh, more familiar uh, Imperium and uh, the throughout the Vestas elements of gold crests of the Imperium I have a, uh, a quillen on my chest of the God King Emperor where I serve him as part of the Inquisition to serve him best and to exterminate all those who go against him and go against his will I have a red cloak with um, again bone dust interlaid uh, accents on it over my head um, at most times and throughout my armor is put different types of stamps of 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 uh, of parchments that that tell me my my goals as to what I would like to do to avenge the God King in the best way I can and to eradicate all those around me. Um, I have some armor around my hands, nothing, you know, heavy duty, more, you know, all just flak vest, flak armor style, but all adorned and, and, and uh, laced with the gold, red, and bone dust, a little bit of green here and there of, of, of the uh, of the Imperium, and that's that's kind of what I look like. And you've been you were summoned here to this moon. You're not a hundred percent sure why, but it was from uh, the uh, the Grave Diggers' general order. So you 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 shuttled down to the moon, um, and you hear through the Vox, uh, Gavias Ventel, Inta. And the doors to the commandant's office slide open. Yes, sir. How may I help you? As you walk in, you don't actually see the commandant of the grave diggers. Instead, you see a striking woman in power armor. She's black skin and long black hair pulled back. She's got one augmetic eye and scars down the right side of her face. You see a power sword at her hip and a bolter. Um, she's well accounted. You see two servo skulls hovering above her head. And standing next to her and slightly behind her, you see a very, very pale, very tall, very thin, gaunt, bald man Uh with clearly blind eyes, wearing a sort of uh, soft gray robes. And the robes themselves um, look to almost weigh enough to pull this man down. He's so cadaverous. But he stands with his back straight, slightly behind this woman. The doors shut. She says, Gavis Ventel, Inquisitorial Acolyte Sanctioned Psyker. Assigned to the Veronius Flotilla. Do I have that correct? Who is asking if this is correct, if I may ask? And she holds up her hand, and the Electu on her palm lights up, and you see the blood-red, triple-crossed eye of the Inquisition with the Malleus skull uh, superimposed over it. I am Inquisitor Lord... Titrona Dykeswain, and I 
am responsible for the Inquisition in the Gilead system. I thought it was past due time that we had a conversation. Of course. I would know who your Inquisitor is and what business brought you to Gilead. My business on Gilead is of my own. My Inquisitor who is in charge of me uh, is Trinidad Flave, and he has sent me on a mission myself to investigate something within our own uh, jurisdiction. If you have questions about that, you can requisition any information from him as you will. Well, as we both know, your Inquisitor is on the other side of the rift. And there is no communication between him and you. So I respect your mission, and I would not interfere with the Oro Xenos, or whatever tasks it is that you've been set either by him or by yourself. However, the odds of you ever seeing any system other than the Gilead system again, unless you receive multiple rejuve treatments, is slim. The only way you will advance yourself within the Inquisition is if another Inquisitor here sponsors you. Now, typically, I don't truck with other Inquisitors' agents. However, we are both in a situation that we can assist one another. Many of my agents are already known within the Gilead system. I've been operating here for quite some time. However, you are not known to be my agent, nor are you known to actually be a member of the Inquisition. So I have a proposition for you, Acolyte Vintel. You will be assigned to the Veronius Flotilla Task Force to act as an agent within that task force to ensure that the Emperor's will is adjudicated in all missions. That will be your primary responsibility. You, however, will in truth be my eyes and ears within the flotilla and within the task force. And you will report back to me all information about all members of the task force, about Helene Veronius and all members of the Veronius family that you come in contact with, and any primary faction leaders that came with the Veronius fleet. The Gilead system is entrapped within the darkness. And as an Inquisitor or an Inquisitor's acolyte, we all know that the only way to save this system is to be willing to nearly break it. We cannot allow the enemies of the Emperor to gain a foothold here, whether they be from within or from without. Xenos, Warpcraft, heretics, it does not matter. I need your eyes within the fleet because I have no eyes within the fleet. If you accept this task, when the time is right, I will ins I will sponsor you for the rank of interrogator and inquisitor. You will fall under my protection and you will have my assistance should the need arise. In addition to the tasks I've set you, I will give you free hand and resources when and where available to pursue your own mission. 
I will not ask you to join the Ordo Malleus. I will not ask you to portray your master or your own mission. I am simply asking you to take on this additional responsibility. Does this ask come from the Administratum, or does it come from you? It comes from me, and I stand above the Administratum. I stand above the governors of these worlds. I stand above every other being in this system. The Inquisition's law is the only law that matters here now. Unfortunately, without the Grey Knights, without the Death Watch, without the threat of Exterminatus, without a legion of menace of, of the Militarum, our ability to affect change within the system has been greatly degraded, which is why we must be ever vigilant to ensure that we stop any such threat before it grows beyond our ability to control. You ask much of me. When the time comes, if I perform this task as you wish, there may be some things later I also ask of you. We are the Inquisition. If you perform as an acolyte should, there would be no request you would make of me that I would not try to assist you with. Do your job and I will do mine, and part of my job is to make sure you succeed. And I will do so. One of the, one of the Servo Skulls turns and looks at you and, and his scans you and he goes ident and genetic lock secured and then you feel a tickle in your mind and you hear a whispered voice i am phoenix pasheen i am the astropath to lord daksuni we will be communicating together often you and i I will pass her orders on to you, and you will pass your reports through me. I speak with her voice, and I hear with her ears. And you can see the 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 veins on the skull of the of the man standing next to her is pulsing, and this is clearly her astropath, Phoenix Parshine. She looks at you. Are there any questions, Acolyte Ventail? Not yet. You may tell any of your task force members, if you wish, that you are an inquisitorial acolyte, or you can hold that information to yourself. However, you will not tell anyone that you are working for me. All know that you came with the flotilla, so there will be nothing directly connecting the two of us. Agreed. Then... You have a date at the Ducal Circlet. Report there uh, to Helene Veronius, and she will be assigning your responsibilities. And the door slides open. And I head on out. And as we see the back of Entail moving out, we find ourselves actually in the Veronius Flotilla. We are coming in. We see a piety class light cruiser, cruiser named Juliana's Homecoming. It is a Ministorum ship. 
We find ourselves going into the corridors. We find ourselves in the infirmary. We see a, a woman in the infirmary, battered and bruised, but recovering. Ashley, why don't you tell us about Sister Celeste? Tell us about how she was injured and who she owes her recovery to. So you see this woman uh, and she's still wearing a habit that's tightly concealing her hair, uh, regardless of her injuries. But where once she had these beautiful gray-blue eyes, her left is now this sharp gold. Um, and she has this striking scar that goes from her forehead all the way down through her cheek to below her ear that explains what happened to the original eye. And you, as you travel down her beaten and battered body, you notice that her legs are no longer organic. Um, she does have, uh, both of her legs have been amputated and replaced. Um, and as she takes a deep breath, she shifts her legs off of the um, pot and she stands. And it takes her a moment because previously she used to be 5'5", five five, and now she's suddenly at least six foot. And it's granted her a great increase in height and a commanding presence that she didn't have before. And... As she's looking at herself in the mirror, just kind of annoyed with these augments that she's had to take upon herself in order to serve the Emperor. Uh, she's slightly ashamed, but is determined to use these to the betterment. And she thinks of the Psyker that she had encountered um, while she was helping um, a small village. Uh, she was feeding the homeless. And he had come and attacked. And um, while he was attacking or attempting to use his powers to do something, she's not sure, but she knew it was heretical because soon demons poured out of his chest cavity uh, as a portal opened. And she sacrificed herself to um, close this portal. Um, so she doesn't know this person's name or the um, cult that he's attached to but that is something that she's interested in hunting down and figuring out. So while, so as you leap up off the bed, you see two women walk in, uh, both of whom, you know, uh, one is she's, she's not, not as tall as you, but she's got a commanding presence. She's about five foot nine. Uh, she's got long blonde hair back in a tight braid. She's wearing a military like uniform but it's of the highest highest quality she has a power cutlass on her side and it looks like a las pistol and a holster on her other side and you recognize her um as helene veronius and standing next to her is a is an older woman um also dressed um as a, a hospitaler uh, and you recognize her as Sister Superior Jeziel Thorne, who is the captain of Juliana's homecoming, the the, the ship that you traveled in on um, as part of the flotilla. Oh, and you and she she comes to you and she holds out her hands. And and Celeste will eagerly grab them with hers. Oh, sweet sister Celeste, how are you feeling? It's so good to see you up and out of that bed. Uh, by his will, I'm just glad to be up and moving. Thank you. 
Indeed, the emperor protects and blesses his greatest servants. I would not come for you like this, but, well, uh, Mistress Voronius uh, has a request to make of you, if you would hear her. Oh, of, of course. And Helene Voronius comes up. And she shakes out her hand to to shake your hand in a in a in a clearly Terran fashion. That's not not all that common um, where you're from, but you recognize uh, you recognize it. Hello, how can I assist you, uh, Sister Celeste? It's so good to see you back. I am so happy to see that the tech priests uh, we employ and the Medicaid who are helping were able to provide you with these augmentations and and to save your life we cannot afford to lose any sister uh from the flotilla it's i'm just so thankful that you are all right i believe it is a sign from the god emperor himself that you can be of greater service to the gilead system and to the veronius family if you are willing to listen to my proposal i live to serve we are putting together task forces, groups of small individuals of varying talents to help us act as troubleshooters throughout the Gilead system. Jackal, my my cousin, the, the leader of the flotilla, has asked me to oversee these task forces. And I thought to myself, who do I know within the flotilla who has already persevered and overcome so much, who could be a voice of reason? And I immediately thought of you, Sister Celeste. I would ask, and Sister Superior Thorn here has agreed to allow you to join the task force if you are willing to be an emissary for the God Emperor within the Gilead system and show all those within the Gilead system the character of those that the flotilla has brought to serve them in these dark times. It would be my honor to take upon this task. Wonderful, wonderful. I've got some other things to take care of. I know that Sister Superior Thorn wanted to speak with you, so I'll let myself out. Please, as soon as you're done, take a shuttle over to uh, the Ducal Circlet, and uh, I will sign you a, a, a group uh, to be working with within the task force. I, I so look forward to working with you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. She leaves. Sister Superior Thorn looks at you, and that that jovial, happy uh, face kind of falls away, um, and and you remember this side of her. You remember the stern side of Sister Superior Thorn. Mm -hmm. She's never cruel, but she believes strongly uh, in the word of the of the God Emperor uh, and enforcing it. Sister, what you do, what you are going to do here is is of great service, not just to this flotilla but to our order and to the god emperor there's been whispers in the three months that we've been here that members highly placed members within the ministorum within the synod itself and perhaps even within some of our sisters organizations have began to fall away from the teachings of the god emperor in these dark times you will be our eyes on all of these worlds, and you will see 
the actions of the other ministorum. You will judge the ecclesiarchy within the Gilead system for us so we can better understand how we can serve the God Emperor in unifying all the ecclesiarchy under one leader and one leadership. So it will be your eyes and ears that help us in this task, if you are willing to accept this burden. It is my duty. I shall find those who are heretics and judge them for the God Emperor. And either if they deserve to be healed and redirected, they shall. But if they deserve to meet him early, so it shall be. Indeed. The Emperor's mercy is yours to give to any you see fit. Thank you so much for undertaking this burden, Sister Celeste. We've got a shuttle prepared for you um, to take you to the, the Ducal Circlet. Excellent. Thank you. With that, we pull out. And we pull away from this piety-class light cruiser, and we find ourselves falling towards the shrine world of Enoch and into the very covenant of the Order of the Sanctified Shield and into the Basilica, where the Order worships, and then into the Priory. And we find at prayer another sister, Melissa, tell us about Sister Nura. So Sister Nura is uh, very sort of simply dressed in her vestments uh, at this particular point in time. Uh, she is, you see her sort of just seated and she has her writing kit in front of her and she has out um, kind of this journal that she has that includes the rules of the sororitas which she takes to just writing in repetition so that they are kind of forever uh, burned into her memory and also going back through notes that she's taken from lessons that she has learned previously from those wise women who have passed along uh, their, their their lessons to her. And so she's going back through and kind of recalling what, what she has been told before so that when the opportunities come that she can use that wisdom in the days ahead. And then you, you hear coming up the aisle, uh, the steady pace of power armored boots. And then they stop next to you and, and an older woman kneels next to you in prayer. And you see that it is Canonus Jean-Grace Diamisa, the Canonus of the Order of the Sanctified Shield. You're, you're, you're big boss, so to speak. Yes, yes. So uh, it, it, her posture was already 99% perfect and, you know, in, in worship. But that last little bit, uh, she ensures that she... Uh, good, good day. Ah, uh, Sister Nora... Your training goes well. Yes, yes, ma'am. Your instructors, your other battle sisters, have told me that you are an extraordinarily devout and devoted sister to the God Emperor, that you easily work independently of, of your squad, and that your judgment is sound. Would you consider this assessment to be accurate? 
if this is what has been said of me, I would not deign to disagree. A very diplomatic answer, and I approve, because diplomacy is something you will need in the coming days. You are to be assigned to the Veronius Flotilla as part of a task force to deal with issues that arise within the Gilead system under the Veronius's writ. Their imperial writ gives them great power, and so they have requested sisters of battle to accompany them. We have no reason to say no, but you must understand. I am uncomfortable with some of the Ministorum who have traveled on the flotilla. I believe that there are those within the flotilla, those who claim to be of the Ecclesiarch, who have begun to fall to the ways of the ruinous powers. You will be my eyes. You will be my judgment. Your power sword and bolter will be the tools that you use to ensure that the God Emperor of mankind is protected in the Gilead system and that we do not fall afoul to anyone who would besmirch our writings. Are we clear on this, Sister Nora? Yes, of course, ma'am. Gather your equipment. There's a shuttle waiting to take you to the flagship, the Ducal Circlet. You will uh, report... Ah, that word disgusts me. But you will report to Helene Voronius, who is in charge of these task forces. Understand this. You are our agent there. They may be tasking you with objectives that will assist the Gilead system, but you are an independent body representing the Order of the Sanctified Shield. Never forget that, sister. I can say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, to whomever you order me to, but I report to no one but you. Excellent. Be about your business, then I have things to do. She gets up, uh, makes the double Aquila, and then walks off. And as we fade out of the shrine world of Enoch, um, we come out into orbit, and then we find ourselves plunging back down. But we are no longer at the convent. We are now within the fortress palace of Archdeacon Clade. Gilted gold, marble, enough money spent on this fortress palace to feed the entire planet of Enoch two times over. We go through the halls of this palace. Servants and servitors, ministorum priests scurrying about, and then we find ourselves in an, a large, ornate office with actually a wooden desk. Wood has not been seen in centuries on Enoch. The cost of this alone would feed a continent. And behind that desk we see a shadowy figure wearing some sort of cloaking technology, his face shifting in and out, his size seeming to change at random. And then the doors open and we see someone walking in after having been summoned. Long, tell us about 
Woodbert Hahn. Woodbert Hahn walks into the room. He's very slender, tall, but he's hunched over. His arms just sort of hanging there, not really controlling them. He's in full black leather, very form-fitting, even a leather mask. On the on his back, he's got a cloak, the dried blood spiders over the a white skull. And he's got red goggles on. He's nervously biting at his lips. They're very scarred over because he tends to, and they start bleeding a lot. You've called me. And this voice, I mean, it's continuously modulating and changing pitch and goes from being masculine to feminine. Yes, Wigbert, you were summoned and you came because you are a good weapon, a finely crafted weapon, a weapon of the Eversore Temple. And you now recognize through some hand signals and cant that you know are from only the Officio Assassinorum that this is technically the grandfather assassin within the Gilead system, uh, operating directly under the chief of the administratum. Um, and for the first time, you actually hear what temple you are associated with, the Eversore Temple. We have a task for the Emperor's greatest weapons. But first, let me introduce you to another party who is interested, who will be the hand that wields the weapon that you are. And we see a familiar form come out of the shadows, a striking black woman with long black hair and power armor, two servo skulls floating around her. This is Inquisitor Lord Titrona Daixune of the Ordo Malleus. You have been requested by the Ordo Malleus to act as her weapon within the Veronius Flotilla. You see, the Inquisitor and I have concerns, concerns about these task forces, concerns about heresy, and warpcraft, and we need a weapon that will strike true at any who would serve the powers of chaos or the alien. We need you, Wigbert Han, to root out and eliminate all with taint, without mercy. Whether they be part of your objective, whether they be some agent on the flotilla, whether they be a teammate who stands next to you through battle after battle, you are our weapon. As we are the Emperor's agents. Do you understand your assignment, Wigbert Han, weapon of the Emperor? I slump towards this lady in the room, take off my goggles. Revealing these dark, beady eyes. Do you bleed for the Emperor? Young man, I have been bleeding for the Emperor for over 200 years. And then she pulls, she, she, she shows you the side of her neck and these huge scars that are ripped down her neck. 
and she pulls off her her uh the glove of her power armor and you see her her hand it's still fully functional because it's obviously had a lot of reconstructive surgery but you can see that it suffered fully from third degree burns this was from a tyranid invasion the other scars on my body are equally worse I have bled all the blood I have for the Emperor and had it replaced again and again so I could bleed it out more. Do you bleed for the Emperor? I start gnawing my lips, my lips a bit harder. <laughs> she, she actually cups the back of your head and she goes, that, that is good. Bleed for your Emperor. Be his weapon. And I just nod my head. But you will tell no one of your association. You will tell no one of this meeting. You will simply be a combat, a combat expert assigned to, to the task force. A mercenary. You will report through my astropath who will commu communicate with you when needed. Do you have questions, weapon of the Emperor? No. The heretic, heretics will be slain. Then be about your business. A shuttle will take you. We fade out. Uh, and that was three months ago. So for the last three months, uh, you have been working as a cohesive team of five members. But all of your tasks up until this point have been pretty rudimentary putting down a food riot on Ostia, um, dealing with grave robbers on Enoch, working as liaison officers between members of the Administratum and the flotilla. Nothing that really has challenged you. But now, six months after the flotilla had entered the Gilead system, three months after you began working together, you've been summoned uh, by Helene Veronius into a conference chamber aboard the Ducal Circlet. And real quick, before we get started, I do have, I wanted to give a shout out to Cargan Demon Claw. He's a friend of the channel, a friend of mine. Um, when, when we met two weeks ago and I said we were going to do this little pre-adventure, uh, everybody in chat helped us uh, design a space hulk for these guys to die in. And I mean to to deal with. And he came up with a with a with a hell of a scenario that I have virtually stolen completely. So thank you, Cargan. Appreciate it. Uh, but now we're gonna get back into the fiction, back into the conference room as the five of you file in to see Helene Veronius aboard uh, uh looking at a pictograph and working on a cogitator at the end of the table. Come in, come in. We this is a priority mission that must be dealt with quickly. Take seats. And then out of a side door, um, a tall, striking woman with a kind of a conical hat on, but it comes down over her forehead, and it's got a stylized third eye in the middle of it. She's in heavy, brocaded robes. Um, of incredibly expensive material and fine cut. You all know me. We've been working together for three months. This is Novate 
Octavia Amankara. She is the navigator who got the flotilla through. She is the greatest navigator, perhaps, in the Imperium. She will be assisting in this briefing. And Helene nods differentially to the navigator. Long-range aspects have picked up an incursion from the world. A space hulk has burst into the outer system. Um, it's carrying with it a huge floatsome of other material. It took a moment for us to identify it and track its course. But if it continues unimpeded, it will fall into the gravity well of Enoch. I can't even imagine what would happen to the Shrine world if it makes contact. The ship is a Viper-class scout sloop called the Throne's Tears. It was originally part of our flotilla, but was separated in transit in the warp and assumed lost. A relation of Novator Octavia Amankara was the navigator on that ship. His name is Vitali Amankara. Several members of the command crew are also distant relations of the Veronius family. Jackal Veronius, uh, uh, the leader of the flotilla, has notified the Ministorum, the planetary governors, and the absolvers that he will be sending a team of specialists uh, to the ship to determine whether or not it can be recovered. You'll be traveling in a modified gun cutter uh, that's been outfitted with additional shielding and a larger troop complement. It was originally designed to deal with uh, asteroid mining, but it's going to serve this purpose well. Understand, your primary mission is to determine if the ship can be salvaged. If so, you are to engage the system's engines and park it in an outer system orbit to await the arrival of one of our frigates. It's going to take us time to turn and engage the system's engines for our ships, so we need to, you to get out there now in this gun cutter. You are to secure the command crew, and in particular, the navigator. And at that point, the door slides open again, and you see a hulking Ogren servitor walk in. He's at least eight feet tall. His arms have been replaced with these mechanical servitor arms. And you see his back. On his back has been grafted a stasis cask. If... Vitaly is alive. Obviously, you will escort him with the command crew. If he has died, you are to recover his body and place it in the stasis cask. And at this point, uh, Octavia interrupts. You need to understand that Vitaly is more important than that ship, more important than that crew, more important than the command crew, more important than your lives. The genetic material of a navigator is worth more than all of the wealth you can imagine. If we are to ever leave this system, we will need navigators, and we cannot afford to lose one here. Either recover him or recover his genetic material so navigators can be created from his line. And then Helene looks over, a little irritated. And she turns back to you. As, as the Novator said, it is critical that you recover 
Vitali, either alive or his body. If necessary, the, the Ogren servitor has already been programmed. He will follow you. He will follow you to the bridge, and, and he will take custody of the navigator's body. Once you have the command crew and the navigator, you will evacuate them on the gun cutter. Brother Talev and Sister Celeste will stay on the ship uh, to provide Medicaid support and technical support to help maintain the ship's orbit and repair what ship's systems you can until the frigate arrives to provide comprehensive support. If the ship cannot be recovered, you will still recover the navigator, any survivors of the command crew that you can, and the ship's logs. At that point, the throne's tears is to be scuttled while it's still far enough out from Enoch to avoid any damage to the planet or its orbitals. Long-range aspects uh, have determined that the ship's gravimetrics are malfunctioning, and there are areas of wildly fluctuating gravity uh, more than likely being felt throughout the ship and in near space around the hull. As I said before, the ship has attracted a great deal of warp floatsome that now erratically orbits the vessel and will make navigation difficult. In addition, several sections of the ship have experienced hull breaches and have been opened uh, to hard vacuum and high levels of cosmic radiation. The the throne's tier's long-range voximeters appear to be malfunctioning, um, and OSPEX readings are inconclusive. However, internally, we believe that we have detected large groups of bio-readings that we're are assuming to be survivors, likely separated by the heavy blast doors and damaged compartments. You are to execute this mission and ensure that the navigator or his body is returned. Um, if at all possible, salvage the ship. We cannot afford to lose too many ships. We have no idea how long this night will last within the Gilead system. Do you have questions? Do you have cargo manifest for what this ship was carrying? Beyond Indeed. Passengers. Indeed. Uh, it was There were no passengers on the craft. It's, uh, it's approximately 0.9 five kilometers in length and 0.25 kilometers a beam at the fin. It uh, masses approximately 4.9 megatons and was primarily used as a warp scout vehicle that would be sent forth uh, in front of the flotilla if there was ever junctures within the warp uh, that needed to be explored to determine the correct path. Uh, cargo is simple technology. Um, ships, supplies, the things to help maintain the ship itself. Other than that, there were no cargo. Uh, The crew complement is 7,500 personnel. There's only one primary docking bay uh, for the gun cutter, and that is where we would expect that you would need to dock. If you cannot get into the docking bay, you will likely have to um, spacewalk to the hull cut your way through at a compartment uh, that you can identify. 
but from our from what we can tell on long range aspects is the docking bay seems to be intact those are long range detect particular energy signatures you say your voximeter is malfunctioning well we're not able to reach the ship so we assume their long range vox emitter is malfunctioning um we don't know if their internal auspexes or external auspexes are working we don't know the status of any of the ship's systems other than to say it is still powered though the engines are not under power so the there there appears based on our bio readings we can only assume that life support is still available in parts of the ship otherwise we would not be receiving any bio readings we have no idea what the status of the geller field was and whether or not it failed during warp transit understood do you have any other questions time is of the essence will you with haste will you be needing a pilot for your gun cutter or are one of you capable of flying the ship no pilots okay I'm a pilot will be assigned <laughs> i was looking it's i was not like, really not, me. not really my thing <laughs> we'll sign up we will sign a pilot for the gun cutter then all right so you guys we make your way to the docking bay of uh the ducal circlet uh, and you do see this gun cutter it's it's a it's not large by imperial standards but you see that it's a large enough ship that it could have a crew complement of probably six with with berths for everyone a central area command area and uh the bay has been set out where you could probably get about 50 people on the ship in addition to you the command crew itself is only 10 people so if there are additional survivors, you might be able to get some of them on the ship as well. And as you load the gun cutter, you see a there's a young lieutenant uh, who's who's there piloting. Um, everybody aboard, everybody ready? Sisters, blessings of the emperor. Are we ready to go? Quickly, please. Yes, and the gun cutter pulls out hard enough and fast enough that you pull about you feel about three G's pull against you um, as he spins the ship and heads out into the outer system. It takes several hours. Uh, is there anything you want to do while you're on the ship? Any conversations you want to have before you get out there? All right, the time passes quietly, um, and the gun cutter starts moving closer to the ship. And then you hear the pilot go, oh, man, that is one beat piece of space junk. Uh, any, any of you, uh, any of you want to try to check the aspects? I'm a, there's so much gravitational pull on this. I got to stick yes. to, I got to stick to yes. driving this boat. You have used too many words to convey what you would want to have happened. Yeah, you know, that's what the. It's the soul of wit. Uh, right there, aspects. So yeah, yeah. I think Talov would he, he since since he, since from long distance you weren't really kind of we weren't really picking anything up. I think Talov mm -hmm. would probably be scanning whatever he can scan, kind of going through yeah. and trying to get any any details at all. And yes, you guys get closer. You see that yes, I mean the throne's tears has been brutalized. There are long scars along his body. There's 
entire sections that you can see are completely open to space, you know, still venting some gases. Uh, there's a great deal of debris uh, orbiting the ship, and some of it's striking the ship and bouncing off. It is clearly not just from this ship. It has pulled other things out of the warp with it. And uh, this pilot is is he's truly gifted because you're able you're he's maneuvering uh, on an approach to the docking bay. But uh, brother Talif, why don't you get me a technologies roll? First roll of a new campaign. Okay. Let's see something sure. fantastic. Excellent. This is one of those things you might be surprised to learn that I am good at. So I probably will fail. Uh, is there a difficulty you want me to set this Difficulty, uh, set it for a difficulty three. Okay, perfect. Default to that. There we go. So when he sits down, you see, like, he, he's got his electroleach staff, like, on his, on, basically on his back. He has this, essentially, this, this electrical collar with these various nodes uh, that kind of stick out that sits back and away from his head. And then the staff kind of sits underneath it and almost seems to adhere to it magnetically. And as he sits, his hands, you know, he's got these, he's sort of these thick, heavy gloves. And there is just this moment where as he puts his, you know, kind of gets into the seat, starts, starts like engaging with the, with the tech, like you can see like little bits of circuitry, like his electu, like starts to just sort of glow and illuminate and shift, not like, you know, heavy, but it starts to go here and there, uh, shifting around. Uh, okay. Uh, that is four successes. So that, uh, yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. So, uh, you're able, so uh, you hook into the aspects and it begins pinging against the ship. And the first thing you, you realize is that the docking bay is under full power. It's fully pressurized. It's under full power. Um, and there are life signs within the docking bay. Then you're able to tell, you know, as you as you're as you're pinging along the ship, that the central corridor that connects the engine room and the bridge, the engineerium and the bridge, uh, seems to be under power, and there seems to be life support in it. Then you also see that there's sporadic patches throughout the ship where there are life support and bioscience, kind of as you guys saw on the on the long range aspects. You, however, although there's power to the ship and power to life support, the engines are not on. And there doesn't seem to be any cogitator activity uh, on the bridge. So the br all the bridge systems, there's, there doesn't seem to be any activity within the bridge systems, uh, but there is power throughout the ship. Okay, so he will he will regularly debrief uh, using brief phrases, brief words. He's, that's kind of his thing. And so he will just docking bay powered bridge, not powered. And he'll just kind of go through one at a time, like every system, every location here and there. And without really adhering to any sort of command uh, structure, he'll just turn to the pilot docking bay. Go. Uh, yes, brother. Was that brief enough for you? I'm trying. I'm doing my best here for you. I'm not a brief kind of guy. Your, Your response was n there was no need for it to be verbal. Uh, yeah, it's yep. zipping the lips. You got it. Uh, Emperor protects. Zip the lips. And the ship starts to move its way to the docking bay. And as you get closer, you pick up a little bit more information on the aspects. You do pick up um, high, high concentrations of radiation towards the engineerium. And then sporadic 
uh, radiation throughout the ship, but mainly in the damage sections. The only high levels of radiation uh, that you detect within the powered sections of the ship are coming from um, the engineerium. So I don't know the way in which the engine stuff works, but is this the equivalent of like the warp core breach kind of deal going on in the engineerium? Would I can conclude that it's likely like whatever, uh, whatever that is, is sort of, you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the, the, yeah, the plasma reactors may, um, there may be an issue with them, but you doubt it's a breach because the power levels are not um, high okay. enough. You think yeah. that there's probably some sort of hull breach um, in or around the engineerium that is that allowed the cosmic radiation levels to build up and actually uh, start to um, impact uh, the other mm -hmm. structures and, and, and basically bind the uh, you know the, the gamma radiation into into the structures. So he's just like we call it activation in health physics worlds. <laughs> so he'll say engineerium breach radiation and then just move on to the next one over and over and okay. over again and he is at no point as he actually uh, uh conveyed the notion of like living things which are completely uninteresting to, to him but he is paying attention to si ship systems the way in which energy you know the way where mm -hmm. where things are powered depowered where things might be stored uh, that sort of thing he's less interested in like oh there's oh look at all these people that might have survived <laughs> yeah, really his thing and like with celeste nearby uh she'll remind you uh remember the navigator is organic so if you could identify their locations and he'll look at he'll look at celeste and i would imagine that celeste honestly is probably with her um her alchemetic legs her alchemetic eye like she is already in it in and of itself like be kind of embraced a certain um a certain flesh is weak mentality so to speak that i feel like he actually will listen to her and he will exhale yes sister and then um he'll then at that point relay the news about the bridge and how it's likely there's no one there uh, or if they are they are not in good condition uh, they are most likely dead. So the gun cutter comes in, breaches into the docking bay, and lands. Um, and you see out the out, out the screen of the gun cutter, you see um, about thirty people um, in uh, in coveralls, marked with the Veronius flotilla on it. Um, and they're clapping, you know, they're like, oh yeah, finally. And, and you see a, a, a woman, uh, who's got some rank markings on, on her shoulders, uh, move up and you know she's pushing everybody back and she's giving you the symbol for the all clear. Um, and the pilot's like drops the, uh, you know, drops the back hatch. He goes, all right, I'll, I'll wait here for you. I'll keep the ship running. Thank you. Do not leave without us. Oh no, I got I got strict orders. If I left without you, I would just get a bolt in the forehead as soon as I got back to the flotilla. So we're good as gold. And when he turns around, Sister Nura is just right there with her bolt gun and she just sort of shrugs and says, or before. Oh sister, I uh I swear, I swear to the Emperor, I would not leave you. If this ship goes up. With you on it is going up with me on it too, because I want to be at your side when we meet the God Emperor. That is wise. 
I thought so too. Turns back around he's sweating bullets. He's just—he's <laughs> absolutely terrified. Uh, Sister Nora, would you lead the way? The yes, of course. I was assuming so. And as you come down the gangplank, and this woman is coming around it, and she sees a sister of battle, she immediately makes the aquila on her chest and goes down to one knee and bows her head. She you doesn't have a say a thing. For she, us. Uh, she, and she she's still talking to the deck. She goes, uh, "I'm I'm I'm the docking supervisor here. Um, we yeah." Uh, my crew and I, um, you know, all hell broke loose while we were in transit uh, about six hours ago, and the ship kind of locked down. Uh, so we've just been we've been waiting for the last six hours. We can't raise the bridge or anything. Um, I sent a couple of hours ago. I sent a couple of guys uh, to the auxiliary command and control to see if they could find out what's going on, but they haven't come back yet. They might have got pulled into whatever damage control or or, or whatnot. But uh but we're just so glad to see we are are you are you from the, the ducal circlet? Yes. You you seem to have left out the most important bit of information. Uh where is your navigator? Uh Oh, I, I guess the navigator is probably on the bridge. I, we haven't been able to get in comms with the bridge, but, you know, I mean, they got a lot going on. It's only it's only been a few hours. So uh, please, please um, step aside. We have things to do. Oh, OK. Hey, uh, there's a, there's another there's another sister here in the ship. So we're, we're the docking bay and the cargo area is is all good. Uh, it's we didn't have it. We didn't feel any effects, but. If you go further back, uh, you know the the living quarters for those of us who work in the docks and the uh, and our chapel and our mess hall and everything. Uh, the people who were sleeping, who were off shift, they were they got sick, a little sick. Um, and Sister Laura, uh, she's a ho- a hospitaler. Um, she she was member of the Medicaid staff on our ship. She was down here fixing a broken leg anyway. So she took them all into the infirmary, but she told us to all stay in here until she came to get us. So we've closed off the cargo compartment, but of course you you can do do whatever you want. Um, do, Thank you for sister. that permission. No, no, not permission. I'm just saying, uh, I, I, we, you, you, have, you have followed orders well. You should continue to follow those orders and we will take on the tasks that you were unable to. Okay. Uh, the, and and I can't get anybody on the internal vox. I can't get any of the any of the ops in us, any 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 of the command crew. Um, it's not like them to be off comms for for this many hours. Well, this is why we were here. We will investigate. Oh, oh okay. I did. We didn't expect anybody. Where are we, by the way? I mean, we, we saw that we 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 breached the warp a couple a, a, a couple hours ago. But where are we? If you don't mind me asking. Sister Nora just sort of looks over to Brother Talov. She didn't really pay attention to the details of location. You are in the Gilead system and you are wasting energy in time. Uh, 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 I, and she just backs away, completely flustered. The other 30 members of her crew are all sort of, you know, they're backing up too. They're, they're letting you by. And then she goes, um, through the through the doors at the far end of the cargo bay, down that hall, 
there's crew quarters on either side. Uh, then at the far end, the infirmary, and then the chapel across from it. And then you get to the main corridor, uh, the main artery for the ship. And if if you go to the right, that's back towards the engineerium. If you go to the left, um, that's towards the bridge. I think all the blast doors are down, though. Um, but the auxiliary command and control is, is just about 100 meters towards the bridge. So yeah. you, you might find some of the crew there. I. But we'll st- you want us to stay here? Can I do a, a quick mind probe? You can. Talk to us about Mind Probe. Tell us about this. So, at least one other, uh, it's a telepathic power because I'm a psyker and I can basically like see what's kind of going on. And if I succeed, I can probe the target's mind for secrets. Let's say, trying to read this, doing a terrible job of it. Uh, It's a willpower test. So I don't know how to do this role, so I'm going to need help kind of being walked through this. That's fine. So um, one thing, at the moment uh, you open your mind to your your, your psyker abilities, to the, to the warp, uh, you feel an incredible surge of warp power around you. Uh, and what that means for you is that all psychic powers that you use here at a minimum are unbound. And what that is in mechanics and game terms are three ways to use psychic powers in this game. There's uh, bound, which means you just use them normally. There's unbound where you get one bonus dice to your test, but that bonus die is a wrath die. So you're, you're rolling two wrath die. Um, and then there's Transcendent, where you can basically roll a bunch of additional die, but all the additional die are Wrath die. And the reason that's important when you're dealing with Psyker powers and Wrath and Glory is if you roll a Wrath failure, a, a, a Wrath consequence, a one on the Wrath die, you have to roll on the Perils of the Warp table, which is just a whole lot of fun. So uh, we're going to get our first Psychic power here. Let's get started, excited. boys. Let's, Let's do go. It. So um, if you go to uh, your talents and you look at psychic powers, you should be able to roll. You should just be able to press mind probe. I think it's going to pull up. Oh, he can just, he pulls can just up, roll. Pulls up. Just roll a willpower test from your stats tab. All right. So well, yeah. it should just I, be a willpower. I don't think, I think when you click on it, doesn't it just expand the description? Yeah, it, it yep, expands yep, the yep. description. Okay. So when. Effects. When you put well, okay, so go to roll your psychic mastery test. Okay. And under um, when it, when you pull that up under dice pool, uh, put in one bonus. Put change bonus to one, and under wrath, change the one to a two. Okay. And what's the difficulty number for the mind pro? What's it say under the description for mind pro? Yep. It says uh, under description or stat. Target's willpower. Target's willpower. Okay, so for difficulty, put your DN is two for this. Okay, base two? Uh, Yeah, just base two. No bonuses. Okay. Am I ready to roll? 
You're ready to roll. All right, let's see what's happening. Holy crap. You got a Wrath Critical. So uh, with a Wrath Critical, is there any bonuses for Mind uh, Probe with a Wrath Critical? Let's see. Is Wrath Critical good or bad? It's good. It's good. It's good. Okay. Wrath complication would be would be bad. Okay. I don't see one. Okay. I don't I don't see one, Aaron. I got Guys, I'm new. Okay. Oh no, no, you're good. So you if you can shift, you've got one possible shift. So with psychic powers, if you can shift a die, it gives you additional potency. So with mind probe, if you shift a die, you can ask one additional question. So you can you've succeeded and you okay. can ask two questions with your mind probe. So what do you want to know? Um so they're telling us that that's where they're down the hallway. That's where it's at. Um, what is it you're not telling me? That's my first question. Okay. Um, when you when you More push that, uh, I'll, I'll work with that. You just may not get a very specific answer. So as you, when you push yourself into her mind and you think, you know, what are you not telling me? Um, that she's terrified. She's been serving aboard this ship for years. She's been part, a loyal retainer of the Veronius family since she was a child. And she's never had anything like this happen during a warp transit. She doesn't understand why she can't get a hold of the ship. Um, she doesn't understand what's going on. Uh, and she is very afraid <laughs> for herself and for her crew. Okay. So I get a second question. Mm-hmm. So I gotta delve deeper into this. Um, I'm going to ask. Uh, what anomalies have you seen within your time in the warp that we need to be fearful of? Okay, so when you think about that and it's not even really like she's putting it together but you're seeing her memories and her thoughts so six hours ago for her something happened in the warp and the ship shook and there was cracking noises and power fluctuated um within the docking bay using her you know with her own limited controls, she was able to recognize that the power within the docking bay and the cargo area was maintained. There was no fluctuation, but she saw a ship fluctuation in power across the ship. And that when she went into the living quarters and saw um, the sister there, uh, Sister Laura Hart, uh, the sister looked ragged and tired. And although for um, uh, for Felice LeBeau, the docking supervisor, at that point, only about 30 minutes had passed. But according to Sister Alora Hart, she had been trying to care for these wounded people and these sick people at this point for over three days. And okay. so she's she doesn't understand what's going on. And for you guys... The ship, the throne's tears, disappeared from the flotilla over six months ago. And for this docking supervisor, it's been six hours. Okay. Uh, do I need to, like, RP-wise, turn and explain? 
Or like, can this be like assumed that I? Yeah, all of you guys have traveled in the warp or or know of warp travel, and you know that particularly when a Geller field fails, there can be Time temporal pressure. anomalies. Yep. Okay. Even so, even within a single structure, their time can vary wildly. But what I'm asking is, is it assumed that these guys understand what I understand now, or like my the the? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could we you could just say you guys have All a right. short you know a short discussion right. and pass it on. Right. Unless there's things you don't want to tell them. I mean, that's completely up to you. No, I'll stay open right now. I won't okay. be too mischievous yet. So yeah. So, so you I'll, see, I'll say that. Okay, you see Felice Laveau grab her head for a second. Like she's got a small spiking headache, but she's like, "Is is there anything we we can do while while to help you while you're, uh, you know, within the docking bay? You know, we can we can refuel your ship or or maybe uh, knock out some of the dings in your uh, ablated plating on the ship where it got hit by debris. Or we just want to we want to be useful." If you find a way to be useful, then be useful. You got it, sister. Um, and then she, she she walks away and she starts directing her crew. Um, and the pilot of your ship, you know, is is helping them and talking to them. So they've kind of left you to do what you choose to do now. What do you choose to do? So we heard that there was a um, like an auxiliary power area that we might want to go to that was sort of on the way to the bridge to make yeah. sure that we could open the doors. Yeah, the auxiliary That's... command and control hub is is just about a hundred meters down after you get out of the um uh out of the residential area for want of a better word for the for the dock workers. Um it's basically an auxiliary bridge. So you can uh access most of the ship systems from auxiliary command and control. Do we want to go there first? Do what we can to reestablish more power before we head to the bridge? Is that acceptable? Is it is another choice to go down towards the what was it the infirmary? Is You're going to be room? walking right past the infirmary, so you'll be going. You have to go through the living quarters and past the chapel and the infirmary to get to the main arterial. Yeah, so I think we should probably like, you know, work our way down the corridor and inspect things along the way okay. as we're working towards that. So one thing Talov wants to do is what once. Gavius um, basically conveys this idea of, of temporal anomaly that six hours versus you know. Uh, so I want to in my in my my brain, I'm starting to to do calculations and I'm trying to see the likelihood that because when we first arrived, we assumed that the bridge was exposed and open for much much longer. So I think I think Talif is trying to do some calculations in his brain and seeing what actually are the chances of survival for anyone who actually would have been on the bridge, the navigator, et cetera. And so he's trying to calculate that and whether or not taking extra time to go to this auxiliary power stuff would actually increase those chances. Okay. Give me a scholar check. Um, just a difficulty two. this would be a pretty simple calculation for brother Talov. Okay. Uh, and I would, I should say, just because we're doing this, you know, I, I'm doing this because I, my, my objective that I rolled was to calculate the odds of a given task and provide an estimate of survival or such and such. So oh, I'm nice. Trying to, like, 
Yeah, I'm trying to say this in my little objective thing. Thanks for reminding me too, Jeff. I totally forgot uh, about objectives. So um, each character within a a session um, can have an objective. And if they work it into the role play, they get a bonus wrath point. Uh, I got a wrath critical uh, on that. So successful. So seven successes. Uh, with two with, possible shifts, so you can shift for additional information if you want, or okay, okay. time, uh, or you can put it in glory. You can shift for glory if you want. I will. Hmm. So I can. Uh, I'll shift one into glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll split the difference. One into glory, and then the other uh, additional information. Okay. Um, as, as I think probably what I would I would I would go for. Uh, if there's anything else you might might be able to provide okay so when your calculations you realize that the temporal fluxes in the ship could vary wildly uh Mm -hmm. if if she only experienced six hours um there are parts of the ship that might not have experienced any time lapse it might have been Uh as if they just fell out uh you know just had the accident right now you would also i'm going to give you with that wrath critical you would Recall that a navigator's couch is a is a fully sealed environment with uh, basically there. It's like a almost like a sensory deprivation kind of tank. There'll be in a nutrient gel bath. So regardless of the amount of time that's passed on the ship up to and including six months or even a little bit longer, the, a, a navigator could survive in that with that within that nutrient bath as long as the navigator's couch is still sealed for years okay so talav will just in his his suitable brief and not really caring about living things kind of way uh will say uh temporal temporal anomalies will vary across ship six hours six days six months navigators uh what was it called navigator navigator's couch Navigator's couch should still be able to sustain its life. And give yourself that bonus wrath point. And anybody else who did not roll their objectives when I tried, when I failed to remind you to roll your objectives, feel free to roll your objectives now. Uh, And if you work it into play before we quit tonight, you'll get a bonus wrath point too. Where's our objective at? It's on your character sheet. Um, under notes. notes. Under notes. Notes page. There's a little dice next to yeah, objective yeah. that you roll. Yeah, there's two little D sixes next to it. I'll roll it randomly from a pre-programmed table in there. And we get extra XP if we do? Is that what works? You get an extra wrath point that you can spend. That's the individual currency you can spend to re-roll dice and things like that. So hearing Brother Talov's report, uh, Sister Nero would turn to Sister Celeste. It, it would appear that we have time for a detour if you are interested in going to the infirmary. Uh, yes, I do believe we should save who we can. Uh, I wonder, at this um, area, are you able to determine if we can salvage this ship or would we have to explore it more, Brother Talov? I would imagine he would probably have to see more or about the engineering yeah. specifically. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I'll, re- I'll roll that wrath critical success and that those seven successes over. Based on the information you have right now, 
uh, there's no way to determine whether or not it can be salvaged. You're going to have to more than like at, at the minimum get to the command and control uh, center to deter- make some determinations and possibly even get to the bridge before you can really just dis- determine whether or not it can be salvaged at this point. Insufficient data. Understood. So the other thing is uh, some of these places are exposed to space. Um, we need so it's possible we might need actual suits uh talop dresses light i'm not sure if i mentioned that in my opening so i'm not sure if anybody else has like actual uh well i think both the both the sisters have uh, power armor that seals so they're they're protected um you do know from from your check that all of the the primary corridor engineering um the bridge and everything along that primary corridor is 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 sealed okay um, okay all right then then he will he won't even share the thought then okay so you you make your way uh you go through the docking bay through the cargo bay and there's just you know there's crates and boxes everywhere i mean it's well ordered uh and then there's the the double doors that slide open as you approach them and you make your way out into the living quarters for those in the docking bay. It's, and it's just like rows and rows of almost like set aside cubicles within hallways. I mean, these are like coffin, ho- you know, coffin hotels. They're tiny little rooms, tiny berths. But as you're making your way down the corridor, everything smells kind of musty um, and old. The air circulation is is not great uh the taste of the air is a little metallic uh and the lights you know they're they're on but they're flickering uh the primary lights are still on but they're flickering as if they're fighting to stay powered you slowly make your way up the hall uh you get past all of the living births uh, and then you see the first thing you see to the left is is a large opening there's no, the doors open, and you can see in as you walk by is a mess hall, but it doesn't look like anybody's eaten in there for you. You have no idea how long. And then on the up on the left, you see um, the symbol for the Ministorum. Clearly, it's the chapel. And then off to the right, you see the symbol for uh, the Medicaid. And and you hear some muffled prayers the doors close but you hear muffled prayers from within there and you hear some groans and sister nura sort of has her bolt gun out but she kind of turns to the side and sort of waits for sister celeste to go into the medicaid room yeah and she will do so so as the door slides open um the lighting in here is also very dim and you see bed after bed after bed of of these crewmen um lying they're covered uh they're groaning and then you see at the far end of the room you you see the familiar shape of uh the power armor um of a of a sister and you hear her chanting and and working over a body and without looking up she goes uh, is is that you, LeBeau? No, this is Sister Celeste. A sister? Oh. Well, blessings. I am I'm almost done here. I've almost managed to save this last soul. 
please, please come closer. I'm so weary. And you see her stand. She she has her chainsword out to the side. She puts her hand on the pommel and she kind of levers herself up slowly as if she's been crouching over this bed forever. She goes, the last of the faithful has finally been saved and brought into the embrace of our Lord. So this is an Ashley question. So they're dead. They don't know. They seem to be moving like the, the body, you know, the, the, the crew members are shifting in their bed. They're groaning going on. Uh, I mean, if you, if you want to take a closer look at one, you can, but I mean, there's movement on all the beds and everything. Uh, yeah, I'll approach her. Okay. As you walk, she goes, sister, are you prepared to receive the blessing of the Lord? Sister Nura is walking right behind Sister Celeste, just so you know. No, it is time to leave this ship if you shall follow. Ah, even better. To bring the blessings to others has always been our calling, has it not? This is true. And she begins to turn around and you see the normal short blonde hair and that bob cut and as she pivots around though you see the right side of her face has got these black veins tracing down her neck and her eye all the blood vessels in her right eye have burst and it's just bleeding out of her socket and her iris is turned to the color of egg yolk and you see these horrible boils and tumors erupting off the right side of her neck. And as she turns, her hand flicks up and her ear falls off. I need everyone to make a resolve test for me. Okay. Difficulty three. Uh, what is resolve? It's a resolve test. Oh, it's so if you go attack. under combat okay, and the far oh. corner, the far column, you'll see resolve. It's the second one down. Fear or terror? Fear. Uh, is there a difficulty? Difficulty three. Three? Okay. I'm sorry, Mr. Answer. Fear or terror? Fear. 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 Difficulty three? Difficulty three. Oh, sorry. How do you change the difficulty? Uh, you should be able in the when it, when it pulls up to just be able to swap the difficulty number from from whatever it is to whatever. So, I want to oh. burn some Dark. stuff just to mess yeah. around with it. So I'm gonna yep. spend a wrath and a glory since I'm re-rolling now. So I should be mm -hmm. able to re-roll two dice, I think. So one for the one that I failed on, and then another. Is that correct? I think I did that. You right. can, when you re-roll, when you spin a wrath point, you can re-roll all your failed dice. Oh yeah, yeah not just one. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. Uh, Nura would like to spend a wrath point to re-roll. Okay. I don't think uh, I, I did that right. Wanna, yeah, for for some reason it says it's just not showing right. Um, well, let me take a look at your character sheet, Gavius. Yeah. Oh, it does it for you. Okay. 
So I hit resolve and fear. Uh huh. DN3. DN3. Yep. Was that correct? So yeah, I guess I your first one was right. Yeah, okay, you got five successes. You're good. First one? Uh, yeah, five successes, one failure, one shift possible. So you can shift that for glory. Okay, so Gavius succeeded. Um, Celeste? Okay. I failed as well. I would like to re-roll. So okay. I just spend a wrath for it. So yep. you don't actually, if you, so click on the dice that you want to re-roll and then right click and it gives you an option to re-roll and it will automatically deduct the wrath for you. And then it'll show your re-rolled result. Excellent. So Nura spent the wrath, re-rolled and now succeeded. Okay. So Nura succeeded. Yeah, I don't have that option. Gavius has succeeded. Uh You want to re-roll that one, right, Celeste? Yeah, yeah. It looks okay. like you did re-roll already because it's got the little symbol on it. There you go. Three successes. You got a wrath oh. critical, so you get a point of glory. So you succeed. Cool. Gavia succeeded. Celeste succeeded. Um, Wigbert failed. Dura succeeded. Talav failed. Is that correct? So, That's Brother Talev and Will Wigbert, you see this, and you feel your bowels turn to water. Um, Talev, you've never ex probably experienced the ruinous powers directly. And and Wigbert, uh, for some reason, seeing a uh, a sister, you know, a, a, a true believer of the God Emperor corrupted like this, I think that's what terrifies you more than anything, the idea that a, a true believer could be corrupted. So you both have the fear condition. So uh, that's it, it adds two to the difficulty number for any of your tests uh, for this encounter or until somebody successfully makes a leadership test with a difficulty of three to snap you out of it. Um, Celeste would actually step to the side for Sister Nura to... Um shoot this thing yeah and <laughs> as sister nura would do so before she does so sister celeste will actually start going through the hymns and uh say the prayers for this sister um who will hopefully transition to be one of the emperor's angels when she has passed over okay so here's the way combat works in this game and initiative works so you guys get to go first um then i get to go then you get to go again mm -hmm. um now if sister celeste wants to take her move action that's technically you going first oh okay so you can you can you can do a move a simple action and a combat action um you can I mean, there's a lot of different options that Sister Celeste can do, or you could just let Sister Nora sh shoot past you. Um, you're technically within engaged distance to this sister, so there's a little bit of risk to that. But uh, so yeah, so before doing so, Celeste would move back, start her prayers, um, and actually, I guess 
Ashley's working in her objective. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I guess shoot her with okay. my last pistol. So here's the thing. If you move back, you can either use your, con- your your standard action to withdraw so she can't attack you. Okay. But if you just move out of her engagement range, She's she will attack. get an attack at oh, you. So, so it's your call. I'll, I'll use it to withdraw without mm-hmm. getting attacked and just... Okay. Do your prayers. I like it. So we see Celeste, Sister Celeste, pull back tactically, opening the line for Sister Nora to shoot. However, uh, the corrupted hospitaler um, goes first or goes next. So what's going to happen is, uh, and and you see this, Sister Nora, as she lifts this chain sword. Um, it is a beautiful beautifully crafted mastercraft chain sword uh you think it might be you know a, a a legacy weapon of great round but it's been corrupted um the sound of the chain is a grinding noise and rust is flecking off the blade and a kind of a greenish mucus is is falling off the pommel and coating her arm as she charges and swings it at you We're going to see how this goes. What is your defense rating? Sister Nura's defense is three. Three. Nice. That's good. Okay. Mine's one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She got four successes. Um, so one got through. Um, what is your resilience? Ten. Okay. So... This chain blade comes down and it scrapes across your power armor, uh, doing no damage as it skitters off the side other than to leave some of this mucus on it. And now you're standing toe-to-toe with this corrupted hospitaler. And actually, I am going to spend a point of ruin at this point. It's my own GM metacurrency. And she lets out this horrific, shrilling groan. Um, And she speaks words that you don't understand, but they hurt you to hear them. And it's almost like you feel something crushing against your ears and against your soul. You all feel this. And then each one of the bodies burst open. And they scream out the last of their life as hordes of nurglings erupt from their bodies. And these are tiny. They're, you know, they're no, no more than five or six pounds, these small green humanoid creatures. They're all mouth with a single eye and a single horn. And they're belching and excreting slime. And they stink like a charnel pit. And there are dozens upon dozens of them as they begin to move in small mobs and hordes to overpower you. Now, hey Aaron, did yes. you did you actually roll? I don't think you actually rolled damage for the chainsword. Oh crap! I didn't. Sorry. Yeah. So you might Thanks actually damage her. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, you said you now said I your uh, you said your resilience was ten, right? Yes, it is. Ten, <laughs> and you're uh, 17. AP2. So that takes it down to eight. 
so yeah, <laughs> thanks, Jeff. I, I got ahead of myself. I was so excited to introduce the Nurglings, I didn't roll my damage. Just so remember, you take... I let you know, so I get yeah. to be the last to live. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, uh, Sister Nura, uh, you've got this chain sword comes in and just grinds through the ceramide of your power armor, cuts into your shoulder. Do you want to try to shift any of your wounds to shock? I mean, yeah, because I have eight wounds mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you're going to do um, nine damage. damage. Nine damage, yeah. So roll your determination. Roll my determination, determination, determination. All right. Uh, determination zero. Oh, zero shot. That's that's not that's not right. You got three. You got three yeah, successes right. on that. So uh, so three of your wounds go to shock. So instead of taking nine wounds, you take six wounds and three points of shock. My gosh, you almost one shot me. She hit hard. She hits hard. Another thing they're about wrath and glory, wounds, though, they're not yeah, mortal. they're not mortal wounds, so they'll heal up pretty fast. Um, the the thing about wrath and glory is combat is brutal. Don't think it's not. It is Warhammer 40k is grim dark for a reason. Yeah, I was about to so, say combat's not brutal. It's grim. It's, it is grim. It is grim. Yeah. So this brand. this chain sword is just gritting through your shoulder, and it's like almost pushing you to the ground, and you feel this corruption, brutally agonizing at you. I also need a toughness test from you. Okay. Um... Difficulty three. Uh, oh man. Okay. Um, so can I? Uh, da, 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 da. Just straight toughness. And I'm getting a because I'm wounded. It's a plus one, so it's a mm -hmm. four instead of a three. So I failed four times. Okay. Okay. Um, so you also you feel this corruption oozing into your body, and you get the poisoned condition. And that just increases the difficulty for all your checks by two at this point until uh, until you either pass a toughness test or somebody with a medic Medicaid skill comes in and, and cleans you up a little bit. Okay. So the Nurglings burst out. Sister Nura's shoulder is being chewed apart by a corrupted chain sword. Uh, but you're up, Sister Nura. What would you like to do? Okay, so what I'm trying to figure out is, so I have, I sorry, da, 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 a bolt gun. Mm -hmm. So she is clearly in melee with me because she was just mm -hmm. uh, nibbling at my shoulder. So that means, so I am. What is the effect of me shooting a? Do you have a, a, do you have a, do you have a bolt gun or a bolt pistol? Bolt gun. Okay, you cannot fire a gun in melee. You can only fire a pistol. So you would have to move out of engagement range to shoot her with that. Which means that she can attack you a... again. Well, okay. But you can do a full withdrawal. So basically sacrifice your combat round this time to just get out of engagement range. No, no, um, no, that is not okay. something that a uh, sister of battle would do. That does not sound on brand. Uh, so what she is going to do instead is she is going to take this thing and she is going to bash her upside the head with it. I like it. I like it. Uh, and everybody, remember your talents. Talents give you buffs all over the place and different things you can do. So don't forget about them. 
but I like it. Bash him. Okay. Um, I'm just double checking. Up, 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 up. No, that's ballistic, so it doesn't work. Um, so you'll, so you'll just do your weapon skill roll. Okay. And her uh, defense is three, so the difficulty is three. Uh, so difficulty for me right now is six because of Correct. all of the other things that have happened to me over the last uh, few minutes. Mm-hmm. That is four successes. Um, I will. I have a remaining wrath, so I will see what I can do with these mm-hmm. failures to re-roll them and get six successes. Nice. Okay. So you hit. So damage, this is kind of like an improvised weapon. So give uh roll 3d6 and add your strength to it. All right. So I rolled 3d6. Okay. So that's uh, two points of damage from the six. And what's your strength? Five. Five. Okay. So that's seven. So you do. You bashed your bolt gun into her armor. And because the ceramide of her armor is corrupted, it actually cracks open. And you you, you hit her back in her shoulder and you do some damage. I'm not even going to have her roll determination yet. So you bruised her shoulder. It pops a little, but you don't think you've knocked it out of socket. Do you still have a uh, move action or a simple action if you'd like to take any? Um, I think just for a move, I would probably just um, just move around a little bit uh, so that if other folks want to shoot in or do something like that, that they've got a better angle to do that. So I like it. So we see Sister Nura kind of pivoting around to try to give somebody else some access. Um, at this point, the, a, a, a group of the Nurglings, about 50 of these Nurglings, come uh, racing towards Sister Celeste, and they are going to attempt um, some malevolent mischief. So I'm going to spend a point of ruin, and and what they do, and I'm going to pull up one of the rollable tables here because we haven't got a chance to play with them yet. They are going to cause a combat complication for Sister Celeste. Okay, um, so on your next turn, uh, next time you attack anybody, it's there's going to be some inconvenient circumstances surrounding that. So you've got these nurglings. Basically, they've crawled up all over your armor. They're pulling at your hair. They're trying. One is literally trying to force your mouth open so it can push itself down your throat. They're starting to move, try to get up under your armor. The squelching and stench of them. Um, it's like an open sewer is trying to push its way into your mouth. But it is back to your guys' turn. Who would like to go? Uh, I'd like to try something. I would like to try and compel. Uh, That is... uh, So compel is implant a simple command in the mind of a nearby creature, so I'm going to try and compel her. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it is a is a, a DN four willpower test. So how do okay. I do this? So uh, pull up uh, if you go into your talent section. Okay. 
Uh, oh yeah, you can't roll that. Never mind. Uh, it's going to be. It's a psychic mastery test. If you hit psychic mastery, if the difficulty is four, put that in okay. for compel. Yeah, do they right? Uh, oh yeah, six successes and a wrath critical again. All right, I'm going to pull up compel real quick and take a quick look at this. I have an idea. Well, actually, the the DN is five, but you still got uh, enough successes. It would have just dropped down the successes to five. So I'm cheating, guys. I'm sorry. Shift, and you got a wrath critical. You're just you're like, I. What is this foundry? I don't know how to use this foundry. I mean, <laughs> I programmed it so I get wrath criticals every time I roll. But I mean, I don't know. What did I do? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I like you've buttons. had two weeks to figure out how to use it. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> you you activate your power. You activate the power. Um, now you do. You can do. You've got one shift, and you can use that shift to make her resistance roll more difficult. So the DN4 you were looking at is she has to now make a willpower roll to resist whatever command you give her. But instead of it being a DN4, it'll be a DN5 because you can shift that one point over. So what command do you give this corrupted sister? First question, the gross eye, can she see out of it? You would think so. Okay. All right. Kind of changes some stuff then. Um, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to try and compel her to expose her neck. That's what I want her to do. Okay. So lift her head back and expose her neck. I like it. All right. The we other are- idea was remove your good eye, but if the other one's working, what's the point? You know oh, what I, mean? I yeah. thought you were going to go. Okay. I wondered why yourself. that was, yeah. <laughs> I wondered why the eye thing mattered, but no, I was going to say if that one's all cloudy and doesn't work, I was going to say remove the good one. And now you're just working with a milk eye. You know what I'm saying? I, like I, I it. got it. I got okay, it. Okay. So the difficulty is now five. The one thing I forgot to do when you made your test is tell you to make that wrath, your 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 power test with an extra bonus die and an extra wrath die. But I, I'll get there next time. Okay. Um, okay. Let's see if she resists. Difficulty five. She resists your, com- your compel. So you see her start to lift her leg and then she shakes it off and you see that blood red eye kind of independently rotate in the socket and just kind of shift over. And that one eye is now staring right at you because you've you've touched her with the power of the warp and you've put a target on your back. Whoopsies. All right. Um, Another band of these Nurgles start rolling over almost like a wave of filth and pestilence. And they, they swarm towards Wigbert Hahn. Uh, and they are going to, so and instead of trying to just mess with you, these things are coming in all teeth like a pack of piranhas as they launch themselves at you. Um, what is your defense? Three. All right. And anything else, any kind of special bonuses to get out of trouble or anything? Okay. No. Uh, and they, so these, these basically these pestilence, things of pestilence and teeth come flying at you. They get four successes. So they, they do succeed. They don't do a lot of damage. Though. What is your resilience? Six. Okay, so with armor piercing, a one, 
uh, takes it down to five. They do five points of damage, which takes it down to zero. So they're, they basically pass over your body, just trying to shred you with their teeth. But because you're so dexterous and, and move so stealthily, your body glove actually holds them off. And as the wave passes through you, you stand there unharmed and not poisoned, bringing us back around to you guys. You see these seas of these nur nurgles are just just uh, flowing all over the place, almost as a chaotic mass. Um, I'll go, if that's all right, Long, before I get sworn by these things too. Uh, I, I'm still kind of unfettered, so I might be able to charge on in. Um, I was going to do the same, so. Okay. Uh, okay. Boy, I feel bad. I'm probably going to kill you at some point uh, with my abilities. Uh, okay, so... Beric will, um, he'll, you know, he has his staff. His staff begins to crackle a little bit here and there. You see both the, uh, uh, the various electu, uh, veins in his body begin to light, but it also starts to radiate into his staff. Uh, he is afraid, uh, but at the same time, uh, he's not showing it. He's just going to charge in, I think, with his electro leech staff, and he's going to, um, yeah, swing. So I'm going to actually, if it's okay, if you think it's all right, uh, Aaron, I'm going to try to take a full round action to run and make a melee attack with the... Oh, absolutely. Okay. Charge in? All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So I'm going to do full round attack. So it gives me a plus one bonus die on the attack, basically, is what it does. Uh, all right. So, and one other thing I'm trying to remember about glory, glory is only after a roll, right? I don't spend it before. Um, if if you're looking to yeah re-roll something, you can spend it after you make your rolls, or uh, and or you can spend glory to increase your damage. Okay. Uh, all right. So let me do my roll. Uh, so this is going to be. Uh, what's what's her defense? Her defense is three. All right. So it's going to be five total for me because I've got fear because it should be plus two to all effects, mm -hmm. uh, and then. I'm going to add, I get a bonus one from the charge. Uh, so I'm rolling eight die. So here we go. That doesn't look good. Uh, well, I got, actually, no, it's successful. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so it's Yay. five successes, uh, no shifts possible. I do have two sixes. Now, I'm trying to remember, is there a benefit to me getting, like, to, to me, like, spending wrath in this particular situation to get like, absolutely i mean if you get if you get additional say. successes you could shift and if you yeah. shift you can improve yeah, uh get extra damage dice okay and they and, and wrath resets so i'm gonna i'm gonna do that is it all it's, and it's all all failed, failed right? dice yep all right let me do that so i'm gonna try to do it through system uh reroll minus one five all right so i got uh eight success of the one shift possible wow Nice, nice, nice. Uh, okay, so then I'm going to, in this case, I'm going to shifts. Um, I'm I'm going full damage because uh, I'm a sh I'm literally a shock troop. So I'm going to shift for extra damage. Okay, um, so you get that gives you an extra damage dice. Exactly, and then I'm also going to spend glory uh, to increase the damage of a successful attack. Um, so. It's I'm a one for one, so as much as you want to spend. Uh, and do I have to decide now, or can I decide after I roll? You can decide after you roll your damage. Okay, so let me roll damage. There should be 
it didn't give me an opportunity to do the extra thing. Uh, okay, so, so just do an just extra do an extra damage. Yeah. Ooh, 15, uh, that's nice. Nah, no, none, 15, nothing from that. And then... AP2. Okay. I'll do... I don't want to take all the glory. That's mean. Uh, I'll take two glory. So say 17 damage. Okay. 17 damage uh, nice. uh, against her resilience, but it's AP2 takes her resilience down to four. So that's 13 damage. She is going to roll determination here. I'm um, going to spend a point of ruin so she can roll determination. Sure. See if uh, that can do anything for her. Uh, and it reduces one. it by one. Uh, so describe how you kill oh my. this corrupted hospitaler. I mean, she's okay. kind of like you guys. She only has eight wounds. So, I mean, a good hit I am is a good hit. I see all these Nurgles beginning to overwhelm Sister Celeste and Wigbert Han. I see Sister Nura take a terrible hit. I see Gavius doing nothing like he always does. And <laughs> I just push the fear down the, the like the dark sun, sunken metal sockets where my eyes once were begin to cackle with electricity a bit. And I will just charge in and spinning my staff uh, while I do, I am going to just take the staff right to the side of her head and I'm trying to literally just rip the head off or at the very least cave the side of her head in. And as I do that, I, I, I'll say like there's a there's like the static of the electricity from my staff begins to course through like the ceramite of her body. And like in addition to the the, the bludgeon, she starts to, sh to shake. And my other hand, I, I'll take it off the staff and I'm just... At this point, my hand's just holding there as this almost ethereal life force begins to kind of like drain off into uh, into my hand as I do so. Well, that's exactly what happens. You see him come in and this this it strikes her head and her head explodes like a rotting melon and the, the electricity coursing through her, her skull as it comes apart. Instead of the blood, you actually see this kind of green billowous corruption that was her blood but the electricity almost cauterizes as it comes out so it's like a fountain of ashes explode out of her neck as her head comes away uh her electricity shoots out of her fingers as she jolts and then her body falls back as brother talif draws energy from her leaving her corrupted chainsword buried in sister nura's shoulder as soon as her body slams against the ground all of the nurgles surge past you and they cover her body and you hear the sounds of teeth rending and tearing and pulling ceramide apart and then they sort of dissolve into this bubbling pool of noxious ichor and then that just sort of seems to almost seep down into the deck plates and the body of the sister is gone and the Nurgles are gone. And the only thing remaining from her is the chainsword buried in Sister Nura's shoulder. And that's where we're going to stop tonight. On our way deeper into this space hawk, having found that perhaps... Grandfather Nurgle has laid claim to the throne's tears. Thanks, everybody, for playing. Uh, like I said, a little, little rough here in patches on the rules and things. Thanks, everybody, for helping uh, out with the memory, remembering the rules, and, uh, and with the foundry, which in and of itself can baffle me uh, often. 
Uh, so thanks to that. Thanks for Jeff for getting all the nodules set up. Uh, we will keep the same objectives if you did not use your objective this time. If you used your objective this time, at the beginning of the next session, we will re-roll your objectives. So that's Sister Celeste and Brother Talev. I think they're the only ones who used their objectives this time. Because I'm a great and benevolent GM, we will reset all of your wrath points to two at the beginning of the next session, and we will continue from this point, uh, seeing if uh, we anybody can survive this. Uh, as, as we've seen, Sister Nora took one big hit, and it was a biggie. Um, <laughs> yes, it was. So uh, it's it's a violent system, and it's a dangerous system, but I love it for that. I hope you guys had a good time. Yep, yep. Awesome. I love it. Nurgles are so creepy. They are so creepy. I you, love it. They are. There's a little Nurgle plushie that you can buy. <laughs> it's a little stuffed <laughs> stuffed Nurgle. It's they crack me up. But um, all right, Jeff, uh, back over to you. What's going yeah, on? Uh, next up tomorrow, uh, we're going to be playing a special session of Delta Green. Uh, it's going to be continuing the campaign that we've been normally running every other Friday night, alternating, uh, with, uh, with Aaron's game, Conan, now, now Warhammer. Uh, we're going to do it on, on Saturday just because we don't want to lose time next week because of the holidays and stuff. So come hang out, out, out with us tomorrow. Uh, and you're gonna see the same crew, same folk, et cetera. Uh, as we're gonna do more Delta Green. Uh, Monday, we'll be going to be playing some Fragged Empire. Uh, as if you like sci-fi uh, sci type games, space sci-fi, come on, come watch. It's a little different theme, not as grim, uh, but uh, but fun nonetheless. Uh, and then on Tuesday, uh, we're playing some Marvel multiverse role-playing game uh, as we uh, we're X-Men uh, in an alternate universe. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and that's what we got. That's what's up. Uh, and uh, thanks to everyone going out tonight, Aaron. Thanks for running this. We are My going pleasure. to uh, going to raid our friends over at Defenders who are who are playing. Joe was in here earlier. He's got his Anvia game that he's been working on. So we're going to go ahead and give them a raid. Thanks to everybody who hung out tonight. We'll see y'all later. Bye bye. Good night. See you.